And that way okay. we could probably still wrap well, up close to um, 9.30. Now, the strangeness of this particular setup is that we have some who are basically right on top of us, and then we have some who I feel like are on the other side of the room. So maybe, maybe those of you that are further in the back could just come like to the second row. Yes. That would probably be good. Come be friends with Elvion. us. And uh, Aiden and the rest of them. Yes. You know, my favorite. Well, I'm, I'm not going to say that since this is recording. Nothing. Yep, we're recording. You might be on. I, I, I can take a video. On what? It's fine. The spit zone. Yeah, the spit zone. I love that y'all have water. Oh, holy water. <laughs> We're Why don't we start? Holy spit. Holy uh, spit. <laughs> what do they do about this? Nice. That's nice. I know, nice water. Simple, honest, nice, delicious. Why don't we start just getting some initial feedback uh, from Gavin's message? So uh, thank you, Gavin, for sharing with us a little bit ago. But. Um, Any anything in particular um, that anybody wants to share um, that stood out to them about about Gavin's message here tonight? I think it was good. I I just want to say I think it was good that you you titled it the greatest fight of your life. Like because we don't think about I at least I don't always think about it. Like. Now and then I think, okay, let's, let's fight our sin, but it's just easy to not do that. It's much easier to not do that. I think kind of going that, it, it kind of like, it makes it real. Yeah. It's like real life. Like, you know, I think that it's a, you know, constantly be, be fighting and looking out for, for sin. Because if, whenever you decide to kind of, you know, not think about it, it can sneak up on you. And so that's why you have to always constantly remind yourself that, like I've been said, your first enemy is yourself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I don't remember. I, I might be paraphrasing something you said, but the way I wrote it down, Gavin, was uh, you said something like, your feelings can lie to you. Mm, and yes. uh, we, we, part of our discussion last night, we kind of touched, touched on what you talked about as far as positional holiness and progressive holiness, so that even though we actually are holy, we don't feel like it most of the time. We, we that has been part of our discussion even last night, as we sat up here, um, and and so we we rely so much on our feelings, how we feel, whether or not we feel holy, whether or not we feel close to God. Uh, the reality is that we are, like you said, we are holy, we are righteous before God, uh, and those facts matter a lot more than our feelings. Mm-hmm. And they can lie to us both ways. They can make it. They can make us feel worse than we really are, yeah. but they can also make us feel better than we really are. So they they can lie to us both ways. Um, other thoughts from you guys? Anything you want to share that was particularly helpful? <coughs> you know what the greatest enemy is yourself made me think of Luke Skywalker in the cave and Dagobah, and he cuts. Darth Vader's head off and it blows up and there's his face. All the great stories talk about the shadow. Even Mario has evil Mario, the shadow thing. It comes and it kills him. 
Um, now, it's, I, I would imagine it's probably sort of odd for a youth group to go away for a weekend and spend most of the weekend talking about sin. Yeah. That just seems unusual. So, is, is it because that, you know, we think that our youth group is particularly sinful? Like, it's necessary for us to just come and, like, let's just deal with reality. Um, I see a lot of heads nodding. Maybe that's true. I don't know. I, I hope not. Um, but, like, why, why would we feel like this is a, uh, a topic that's worth spending a weekend, you know, really thinking about? Do you guys have any thoughts on why we would... Uh, I mean, is it... Why, why is this kind of a sensitive topic or maybe one that, that most might just rather avoid? Yes. Like, I mean, sin is like a big deal, and if you don't repent from it, it can be very destructive in your life. And I feel like it's not preached on very often, so it's kind of a good reminder. You said sin is very serious, and if we don't repent of it, it can be destructive in your life. Mm-hmm. It can, it can be destructive in your life now, but it could. I mean, it can act. Unrepentant sin will send you to hell. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so this this it's a very serious deal. If not, like, on that, I can also send you send you to hell. But even if you're a Christian, and someone else is seen, someone who's not a Christian sees you doing this, it can it can lead them to hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It taints it taints your testimony. It taints yeah. uh, the image of Christ for, for sure. sure. I think I think it's super important to have a biblically grounded theology of sin because we do have those errors that we face you know we can say oh you know we we can become and this is your one of the twenty dollar words we can become antinomian about it where we're just like we can sin and do whatever we want because god's forgiven us uh, we can lean into that error, or we can think that we're so bad that God can't save us. Um, also, we've got to we've got to have a biblically grounded theology of sin because of what the world tells us about it. Like I, I I've thought about this, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, like, but people will try to remove the word like sinner and they try to get rid of like just the whole concept of sin that I've thought that, you know, people who, people will want to remove the letters S-I-N so we can't even use the word sin Why do you think uh, people uh, mess with language like that? Oh, yeah. But why why is that, you think? Oh, it's everywhere. Like, I think because it softens the blow. You know, that's, that's why we, you know, we, we call, uh, you know, abortion getting rid of a fetus. We don't call it a baby, you know. Uh, sin is a misstep. It's a mistake. It's not, you know, cosmic treason, you know, rebellious acts against an infinite holy God. You know, language... You got to pay attention to that. We all have to pay attention to that. Yeah. Language, not just like not saying the dirty dozen, but you know, <laughs> language. There's, there's a fight over language. Yeah. It matters how you define your words, and mm-hmm. also just matters even what words you use. Yeah. So yeah. Now, okay. So uh, this morning, Gavin, yeah, I'm kind of directing this towards you. This morning, uh, Aaron's message talked about. 
um, the sin of Adam, the fall of man in the garden, and how Adam was representative of all humans, and so, so his fall was our fall. So you, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, because I, I know you, you wrote a, like a master's thesis on Adam, right? Yeah. Did you deal with, did you deal with that aspect uh, of, of Adam in your paper? Um, and if so, like, have you, is there any, anything you want to mention about Adam's, the way that Adam sinned and, and, and our, you know, the way we all fell in him? Yeah, so basically, um, certain levels of education, you have to write certain types of papers. So this is not like a dissertation like he wrote. It's like 50, 60 pages, which sounds like a lot, but not if you work on it for like a year. And so what I was trying to deal with was, you know, some people think that Adam and Eve weren't real. Mm-hmm. So if they weren't actually like real historical people, um, how does it affect like our thinking about sin? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there, there's some different theories on that. Uh, so I was d- delving into, well, so if we deny the fact that Adam and Eve are real, how does that affect our theology? So that basically was what I was d- d- diving into. I think um, – I obviously think that they're, they were real historical figures, and part of that is um, the way that they, they fit into the whole story of the Bible as really where does sin and death come from? Is that the way that God made the world, filled with sin and death, an evil world? Or did something go wrong? And if something did go wrong, when did that happen? How did that all go down? So I do think that we were talking about this uh, the other day with the juniors at, uh, in school. Because Paul talks about in Romans 5 that you are connected to Adam. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, uh, how is that fair? Someone who lived thousands of years ago has made a decision that affects me. Yeah. And Aaron, how does and Aaron that dealt work? with that this morning. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I also brought up someone else also made a decision thousands of years ago that has affected you in a positive way. Jesus, right? Yeah. How is that fair? And, and so you can't have it both ways. <laughs> and related to what I said tonight, what you think or feel doesn't matter. Your feelings of fair, fairness don't matter. And that sounds kind of harsh, but that's, that's true, right? Just because you think that something's not fair doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah. Um. All that is sort of introductory because we want to actually um, give some examples from the Bible and talk about how uh, throughout Scripture, all of these, maybe we would even use the term uh, heroes of the faith, um, have their flaws. So, so even if you read a chapter like Hebrews 11 and it's going through all these sort of legends of, of God-fearing men, uh, they all... You know, you, you can normally trace some major uh, catastrophe in their lives where they had a chance to really, um, you know, stand for God, but they didn't. And those people are are more than just moral examples for us, but they're also partly that. Mm-hmm. And so I thought maybe we'd talk about um, some of those examples, and we, you know, we'll just kind of talk about what comes to us. And uh, what we can learn from them, how maybe we could be encouraged by the way God dealt with them in their sin, but also the way um, you know, that maybe we could learn from their mistakes to not put ourselves in the same kinds of situations. Um, so who, who wants to start? Who wants to give uh, an, an example here? You want to just start at the end, Gavin? Yep. Take it. All right. Well, I was interested. When you guys hear like legends in the Bible, who, who do you guys think of? Dave and Goliath. You think Samson? Noah? 
Like a hero. Who do you guys think? Abraham, Jesus. Moses. David, Jesus. Okay. Esther. Esther. What did you say? Yes. Abraham. Abraham. I thought you said Billy Graham. Billy <laughs> Graham. <laughs> Almost. He's like apostle number. So if you, you see on your thing, this is uh, entitled "How the Mighty Have Fallen." I mean, Mo when you really look at the story of Moses and Lauren and Noah, we've been talking about this recently in class. So it's going to be very fresh to you. Um, Haley, not as fresh as last year. Right. Um, Moses was an amazing character. I mean, tons of crazy stuff they did. Like, what do you guys remember about Moses? What are some things he did? Lauren and Noah can't answer because they just studied like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Luke. Oh, Luke. My bad. <laughs> and Luke, you can't answer either. Anybody else? What do you guys remember about Moses? I see you back there. You're hiding. What, one thing about Moses. He's a person. Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't know that in the book of Moses. Yeah, so the initial calling uh, to be like the leader to bring them out of Egypt. Yeah, so that was like the whole burning bush thing. You had the thing of the plagues and Pharaoh, the Red Sea, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments. And then, so Moses had the difficulty of leading the Israelites. Now, you think the Israelites, oh, they're like God's people, right? They did really good. <laughs> you read the Old Testament, it's, uh, they, they do okay at times, but a lot of times they mess up in big ways, right? Um, you done messed up, hey, Abraham. <laughs> if you ever read through Numbers, we are talking about this recently in class, it's like Numbers, it sounds like a boring book. Because it's, it's not just yeah, a bunch Matt, of numbers. It it's not mad. It's not mad. It's a, it's a story of really of rebellion, a bunch of rebellions, a bunch of rebels, okay? And uh, that actually starts with uh, Moses' siblings. Can you remember, Haley, what are his two siblings called? I don't remember. Starts with A and M. Aaron and, Aaron and Moses. Miriam, right? Oh. They actually get mad at him. That was so uh, They're kind of like, Moses, uh, why are you the leader? Like, we're leaders too. Like, who are you to be like our, our boss kind of thing? So there's that kind of stuff. And then Moses' own tribe rebels against him a little bit. Who was that? Who was his tribe? The tribe of Levi. Okay, Korah's rebellion, right? And then time and time again, Juicy, I think you probably remember this. A lot of times the Israelites, what do they complain about when they were in the desert? If they're in the desert, what do you think they a lot of times didn't have a lot of? Food and water. Food and water. Remember some of those stories? So God says, I'm going to give it up to your nose. So Moses had to like be patient with them and lead them. And so related to what we're talking about tonight, there was a time where Moses really messed up. If you read through Numbers 20, um, it's coming off some of these different stories of rebellion. They've been told they're going to just kind of wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine doing that? Just being out here in the woods. You're not allowed to go home for 40 years. Uh, then your sister dies. So that's the beginning of chapter 20. So he's grieving. He's kind of getting fed up. He's frustrated. And God tells him to help provide. Uh, they need water. Okay, so he's supposed to speak to the rock. Instead, he, he strikes the rock. 
which is what he did actually in a previous story. But this time he's supposed to speak to the rock, so he doesn't do that. He disobeys. He's not going to be allowed to enter the promised land. I say all that to say, I think we can learn some things from Moses' mess up here. One, if there's a time in your life where you are emotional, and that can mean a lot of different things, right? You're frustrated at someone, at something going on in your life. Um, something that's not gone the way that you wanted to with a friend. You like them, they didn't like you. You did like each other, you missed each other, you broke up, something. Uh, you wanted to have success in some area, music, sports, school. It did it. Your expectations weren't quite met, so you're frustrated kind of at yourself. You're mad at some judge, a ref, a teacher. Uh, maybe you're emotional because there's been some family loss, like, uh, again, grief. I think in those times when we're not thinking straight, we can make some really dumb decisions. I think it's related to being tired. So I think, you know, related to some of the stuff we talked about tonight, to really be on your guard end of the week, weekends, nights, seasons of your life where you know that you're emotional, you're frustrated, you're grieving. It's at times like those where we can make life-altering decisions. That's what Moses made, was a, was a decision that altered really the end of his life. He would have been the leader into the promised land, but that was shut down because of his own choice. So something to think about with Moses. My, Read back through that in numbers. Really interesting. One of my favorites, and this is what I was telling you beforehand. This is the good guy, not the bad guy I want to talk about. The good guy uh, is, is uh, Elijah. And we usually, you know, he, he does, I don't feel like he necessarily, you don't see him like we think, oh, heroes of the faith that fall, David. You know, that's like the go-to example. Uh, but... You know, here's Elijah, and he's a prophet, and he prays, and the rain stops for like three and a half years, you know, and, and they're going to kill him, the king Ahab and his evil wife Jezebel. They want to kill Elijah, and so he goes running off, and God says, you know, I'm going to take care of you. He feeds him with ravens, like, you know. You know, I mean, it's just like all this crazy stuff that he gets to see. And he goes to his widow's house and the widow's food doesn't run out and her son dies. And Elijah, like, brings him back to life. They have the prophets of Baal and he sees this giant, you know, thing come out of heaven and, and, you know, just scorch the altar up like my favorite Bible story. He sees all this stuff and then he runs faster than the flash to get back to you know, Ahab's tower. Like, it's just the coolest story. And then, you know, Ahab's like, I want to kill you. And, and Elijah falls into despair. And he gets so upset and he gets so distraught about all these things. And he's like, God, I've served you. And now this lady wants to kill me. And, you know, why don't you just kill me? Like, I'm running for my life, but why don't you just take my life? He falls into despair. He falls into, you know, um, not trusting God, uh, not remembering what God's done to, done for him. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I would guess that that's a, a sin of a sort. Um, 
It certainly shows his humanness, despite all the things that he was a part of and what he did. So he falls into despair. He's not trusting God to take care of him, even though he's taken care of him all along. And then God leads him to a mountain, and there's like fire and wind and a you know earthquake. And God speaks to him in a small small voice, and you know he's like, "There's still people that are are faithful to me, and you know you still got more work to do." And the thing that he had to do was he passed on his mantle to Elisha, who did double the work that Elijah did and carried on um, that prophet um, office. And then Elijah goes up to heaven in, you know, flaming chariots. Like, he doesn't even die. And it's like, I mean, there's only two people we know of, maybe three, who didn't die. You got Elijah, you have Enoch, and I guess Moses died, but the devil fought over his body. That's a, anyways, (laughs) that's a weird story. We won't get into that. Um, But... But, you know, he, he, he goes up to heaven in these flaming chairs, but he was human. And he, there was a time that he didn't have it all together, and he doubted God's goodness, and he wanted his life to end. And had he brought that on himself and ended his life himself, he wouldn't have got to, he wouldn't have got to um, do the most important work that God had for him, and that was hand the office over to Elisha. And so I think that's, that's probably one of my favorite examples. So thinking about this, <clears throat> I, th- I, really, I came up, I had somebody in mind. But just listening to these guys talk and made me think of something, some, somebody else that kind of relates to me now we're going through. So actually, so actually Melinda said, oh, you should talk about Jonah because, you know, how bad is it? You get eaten by a whale. I mean, you can't get much more you know, terrible than that. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to talk about that. But um, <clears throat> I thought of somebody else, and I actually changed my mind. I was like, you know what? Jonah actually really makes sense. You can talk about more than one. Okay, I'll, I'll just talk about Jonah. Okay. Um, so Jonah really makes sense because he was, he was going away from the presence of the Lord. He was going, he was going against what God wanted. And it, it, because of that, well, for one, I eat my well, but, you know, you know, if if God just let you know let him have his way, he wouldn't have been able to change that city. Uh, Tarnish, I think, is Tarnish right? Tarshish. Uh, Tarshish. Tarshish. Yes, Tarshish. Um, wouldn't be able to change that city the way it did if God let him have his way. Um, <clears throat> so, how something I'm dealing with right now is listening to what God is saying, and even though. You may not want to do it. God already knows down the road. He knows what's going to happen. He knows if he's telling you to do something, he knows it's better for you. It's good for you. Nothing comes from God that it's not good. <clears throat> and um, just something that just recently happened to me this past week, God asked me to do something, and I said, no, I do not want to do it. And then within a couple of days, of course, God, you know, I, God talked me into it, and I did it, and I, I'm glad I did it. Um, and because it, it was just all in the end, it was all for His glory, and it was all it was good. You know, that's that's what I got about Jonah. Yeah.
um, there are certain sections of the Bible that are almost like summary um, summary statements of some of these things. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and give a little bit of a um, just focus on um, a broad overview of a few. So like Matthew chapter one starts by giving this genealogy of Jesus. And, uh, you know, do you know what a genealogy is? Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob begat, was the father of... Begat, okay. begat. Everybody begat these, these people. And, but the opening statement is you have the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. All right? So Jesus, right away in this very first sentence of Matthew's gospel, is associated with David uh, and with Abraham. And, and again... It's appropriate to rehearse the significance of that because of the of these guys um, quote successes. So David's David being Israel's ideal king, and yet you know as as uh, I guess it was Aaron you know mentioned David's faults are probably some of the most famous faults in all the Bible uh, of a person who was otherwise faithful to God. You know his his adultery and his murder. Um, and those things are, it's almost like you don't even see them coming. And yet, most people don't commit sins like that overnight. And so it's, it's likely that, that these things were uh, you know, increasing in David's heart and in his mind maybe for some time. And then, and then Abraham, uh, Abraham was so worried about his own life in front of Pharaoh that he actually put his wife's life uh, in danger ahead of his when they went to Pharaoh twice, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and said... No, she's my uh, sister. She's not my wife. She's my sister. And, um, and, and interestingly, God responded to that not by judging Abraham, but by judging Pharaoh. Um, it shows you the way that, that God worships some of that. And then, you, and then you keep reading in this genealogy, and you have, um, you have these uh, – you could, you could focus on some of the men, but you could also focus on some of the women in this genealogy. So like Ruth, Ruth wasn't even an Israelite. You know, mm -hmm. she was a Moabite. So she comes from this wicked line. Um, Bathsheba is mentioned here. Of course, the one who sinned with, with David. Rahab is mentioned here. She was a prostitute. Tamar is mentioned here. She pretended to be a prostitute. Um, so these... Um, with her father-in-law. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the Moabites... Which, which is what Ruth came from. They got their start because, because Lot's uh, daughters, um, you know, procreated with him. So, so you think about here's, – here's the very first paragraph of the New Testament, and, and it's this list of people that is being – that Jesus is shown being associated with. Like this is his line, and it's this, uh, you know – cast of characters and just all all of the things that um, you know you go back and you look at their lives and it's and it's just um, you know embarrassing failure uh, throughout and then and then I mentioned Hebrews 11 um, you know we kind of touched on on Abraham uh, and Moses a little bit but you read about thing about uh, in verse 32 there's kind of this Fast-paced list uh, where the guy says, "What more shall I say? For time would tell me that time would fail me to tell of Gideon." Okay, and he's and again he's acknowledging the faith of these people, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Gideon at first was like, "I'm not going to do that unless you make this 
you know, this rug dry and everything else wet and vice versa. Like he's, uh, you know, Gideon doubted. Uh, Barak, um, a lady basically won a battle for him, right? Um, Samson, okay, Samson was, uh, you know, chasing women all over the place. Jephthah made a gamble with God, uh, you know, and said, if you give me victory, I'll sacrifice anything that walks to my door next. And it was his daughter. And then David and Samuel and the prophets. So, so even just reading lists like that, um, you know, depending on your perspective and what you want to, what you want to think about these these guys. Um, for one, I think it probably shows us that we almost always tend to focus on the negative rather than the positive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you could probably think of somebody in your life who maybe. Maybe to others, they would have this stellar reputation, but you know something about them that taints what you think of them. And it kind of, it kind of can be this way even with a list of people like this. So um, I've, had, I've had adults uh, in my life, so when I was younger in high school, youth leaders uh, and teachers who um, in some ways um, greatly damaged their own reputation as, as a minister of the gospel – because of some terrible choices they made. And it reflected poorly on them and on their families and on, on us as a church. And, um, you know, so, so now, again, you could, you could talk about how the Lord has restored a lot of those situations. And yet, that's, that's, that's kind of like a, um, that's still something that's known about them, you know, that, that we would remember uh, and think of about them. And so we, yeah, we want to guard our own reputations. Yes, we want to especially guard the reputation of, of Christ. But we also want to be reminded uh, that you can't outsin God. Mm-hmm. There, uh, there is more mercy in Christ than there is sin in us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Martin Luther said something like, um, "When, when the devil reminds me that I'm a, that I am a." Uh, terrible sinner. He comforts me greatly because Christ came to save sinners. Yeah. So happy birthday, Martin Luther. Happy birthday. You say happy birthday. We could, but we'd have to do it in German. Okay. And, uh, and our German. And, John- and Jonathan went home. Let's finish. Let's wrap this up. Aaron wants to give one example of um, of kind of the flip side. Unless unless somebody else has anything they want to add. To kind of this example, these examples. You have to leave. I would okay. just laugh earlier because I was like, imagine you guys. How would you feel if, if you were dating someone, and you took them, and they took you to a place, and then they pretended like you were their sister? How would you feel? Wow. Sister in Christ, sister <laughs> zone. Like, how would that be? How would that? <laughs> Plot twist, not the brothers. Straight up. So, this is another. Okay, so this is the opposite. Because we we tend to look at the heroes of the faith, and, you know, either we gloss over their failings or we look at them like we've been doing. But one of my favorites, and this is what I think is a story that just proves that you can't outsend God's forgiveness and there's nothing you can do that's so bad that God's not going to forgive you if you repent. So there's this guy named Manasseh 
in the, in the Old Testament. And he was a king. And the Bible says that he was so wicked. He burned his, he sacrificed his own son to Moloch. To Moloch. All right. And he filled, the Bible like says that he filled the streets of Jerusalem with blood. Like, because there was so much sacrifice going on. He let wizards and sorcerers and all these people do all their nasty stuff in the land. And I mean, it was just like, you know, Las Vegas amped up, you know, like, anyways, it was just awful. It was the, so bad that God said, because of this man's sin and the sin that he's perpetrated in Jerusalem, I have to punish Jerusalem. And that's why Nebuchadnezzar came, you know, with the hammer, with the hammer, grand, grand, anyways, with the hammer and smashed open, anyways, <laughs> exiles, uh, you, you, you wanted to do that, didn't you? But that's why they got taken into exile was because of this man's sin. Well, it doesn't record it in Second Kings, but records it in Second Chronicles. That Manasseh, he gets captured. They put a hook through his nose. They lead him off. And he recognizes, I have sinned. And he prays and God forgives him his sin. And it's just like... I don't think any of you have sacrificed any children to the fire. I don't think any of you have filled the streets with blood. All right. You know, and so like, I just think, I just, I just love the fact that as wicked as Manasseh was, as awful as his sin was, and God still had to give a consequence and judge his sin, he forgave Manasseh and he brought him back. And Manasseh actually ruled longer than any other king in Israel. And, uh, you know, he repented uh, and, and turned to God, even though he was brought that low, even though he had done all those things. And so when you think of God's forgiveness, when you look at your sin, just know you can't out God. You can't out his grace and there's nothing he's not going to forgive you if you are repentant of it. So maybe you could close just by reading a few verses. I just want to, I just want to read. I know you, you summarize it exactly right. Can I just read this? It's four verses long. All right. Um, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they paid no attention. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the Lord brought upon them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria who captured Manasseh with hooks and bound him with chains of bronze and brought him to Babylon and when he was in distress he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers he prayed to him and God was moved by his entreaty and heard his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom and then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God I love it Oh, it's so much. <laughs> All right. And then, and then I was reading this morning, Isaiah 38, and this is Hezekiah. Hezekiah says, uh, Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. It was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. But in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. Okay. You don't, you don't look at things that are behind your back. You look at what's in front of you, right? And where has God put our sins? 
behind his back. He doesn't look at him anymore. So praise the Lord for that. Woohoo! All right. Um.